Yeah, it used to piss me off, honestly. It used to piss me off because those guys used to like, give me so much shit and they'd put me in ads and they'd like fuck with me. But um, I, I think there's, there's always a part of that where if they're like focused on you, they kind of like you too. And so I think they kind of liked me, but they kind of hated me. You know, I think I re represented a lot of things that were anti-lost, you know, or they represented a lot of things that were anti what I stood for, whatever, you know. With, I, and you can go across the board with a lot of different things, yeah. you know. And um, they didn't have a problem, like, hurting someone's feelings. But I, I, I think that they also, uh, if, if I was surfing well, if I was doing something good and they had, a, they, they had the footage, they'd put it in their movie. And I think that was like a little tip of the hat and say, hey, he surfs good or whatever. If you haven't seen Andy Irons and the Radical Stabs New Andy Irons documentary yet, I guess you might not realize exactly what you're missing out on. It's incredible. The topics and stories it covers and the biggest names in surfing that guide the narrative through the four episodes is something that isn't really comparable to anything else that exists in our world right now. The fourth and final episode has just been released... Kelly is the key interview in this episode titled Andy's Last Dance. And Kelly is not only the most, he has like the most unique point of view from his experience as Andy's greatest competitive rival. They were sometimes friendly, but mostly enemies. So there's hearing about that. But Kelly is also the goat of talking about surfing and being able to articulate what it all means. I think Andy getting back on tour was really trying to put a different approach together. And that was sobriety and, and, and surfing from your passion and surfing from like clear headedness, you know, not maybe a lot of the things that fueled him during our battle. Cause there was a lot of negative feelings in that. There was a lot of like, I gotta smash this guy. There's incredible unseen footage of Andy and it's not just Kelly driving the narrative, it's all the other definitive names in surf that come together in this project. I guess it took an Andy project to bring this type of magic together and to, to get everyone to, to open up and talk about surfing in this um, across, I'm not only Andy's life, but there's lots of focus points, whether it's backside tube riding or, or just competitiveness. There's just a lot of themes that, are, that, that come up in this film that really define not only surfing but life I guess a little bit but definitely this era and I mean I assume if you listen to this and you at least like surfing so please take my word if you haven't seen the film yet or the series of films there's four episodes uh, because you will be far from disappointed if you sit down to watch this series. Welcome to The Drop. My name is Danny Johnson. This episode, we have two chunks. The first is an interview with Lincoln Ether about the results of the STAB reader survey where our audience was asked who their favorite surfers are. And the second chunk is a snippet from a new show that will be appearing on stabmag.com shortly. The show is titled Stab Squared, presented by Oakley. We partnered with Oakley and decided to create a quiz show for the surfers that are currently in Australian hotel rooms quarantining their days away. This snippet is from the first heat featuring Geordie Smith versus Kolohe and Dino and a guy named Brent who is a Stab Premium subscriber. 
Brent won the opportunity to test his surf knowledge against the surfers and Brent didn't do too, too well. He, uh, I might have even been a little bit mean to him during the, the show. And, oh, yeah, I didn't mention yet that I was the host of the quiz show. I was the quiz master and a medium-level meanie to Brett. But, you know, he had it coming. That's coming up. But firstly, let's chat to Lincoln Ether. Lincoln is an occasional contributor to stabmag.com and he also runs empireav.com. Uh, the link for that will be in the episode description. And Empire Ave is, it's kind of like a hype beast, but purely focused on surf products. So it's a place to go if you want to be in the know before you throw down on any surf products. Lincoln recently wrote a story on Stab Premium and the link will be in the episode description where he dissected the results from over... 7,000 people that completed STAB's annual reader survey in 2020. A pretty solid sample of the general population of surfers that visit stabmag.com. Lincoln's story is about one question in particular that we posed to our audience in last year's survey, which is who is your favorite male surfer? And Lincoln's going to follow up with a similar story on the women, but this story he's written is solely about the men. So before we start this chat, I'm going to give you the results from that question that showed up in the survey, at least the top 10. Number one was Dane Reynolds. Number two was John John. Number three was Mason Ho. Number four was Mick Fanning. Number five was Craig Anderson. Number six was Kelly Slater. Number seven was Michael February. Number eight was Geordie Smith. Number nine was other which is survey speak for i guess a group of people that weren't an option to choose and number 10 was tyron martin and interestingly italo ferreira didn't make the top 10 he came in at 11th which is something i brought up with lincoln in our chat we also talk about and compare this list with the stab surfer of the year list where 50 of the world's most influential surfers and surf personalities vote uh, amongst themselves to decide the best surfers of the previous year. And I think uh, you probably all know how that one works. It's a peer poll. So it's, it's essentially taking the people's opinions that matter most on a particular subject and compiling it into a list to get some sort of consensus. So... I'll also refresh your memory for the male uh, outcome of Stab Surf of the Year 2020. Number one was John John Florence. Number two was Italo Ferreira. Number three was Griffin Colapinto. Number four was Kyle Lenny. Number five was Mason Ho. Number six was Jack Robinson. Number seven was Ian Crane. Number eight was Nathan Fletcher. Number nine, Gabriel Medina. Number 10, Jacob Wilcox. And I'll also include these lists in the episode description because it's often easier to interpret this sort of information visually rather than listening, listening to me like read out what sounds like some sort of ingredients to a, some type of foul-tasting pro-surfer soup or maybe delicious sounding depending on how your taste buds uh, feel about cannibalism. Let's chat to Lincoln Ether. 
You open up the article comparing the results of the stab reader survey with the results of the stab surfer of the year. How do you make sense of the variance on both of these lists? Um, the reader review is consumers. The surfer of the year is kind of voted on by professional surfers or surfers with a wildly high IQ in and around surf circles. The latter, the ones who are the professional surfers, surfer of the year, they're the ones that know the intricacies of pro surfers better than anyone else. The little parts of them that make them so amazing to watch from their technique to ability. There's like, uh, there's levels to these guys that you don't get in web clips, webcasts or images. And it's those levels that you need to be around all the time to realize how damn good these guys are. Um, you see it a lot where you'll watch a webcast and someone will be like, oh, he's not even surfing that good. But then if you see that same person at your local beach, you'll be like, fuck, he's the best surfer I've ever seen. Yeah. And so it's the people on the, the people that you got to vote for surfer of the year, they just understand those intricacies of what make the good guys great. Whereas um, for me, I think it's consumers pick surfers. So the people who are voting on the reader survey, they're the people that connect with surfers more on a subjective level. Think of uh, style or character or if the consumer has met that surfer or had a beer with them and there's a personal connection, they're more focusing on the impact the surfers have had on their enjoyment, understanding or idea of surf, whereas Stab Surfer of the Year seemed more focused on an objective level of talent showcased in the last year, I think. And so I'd say that Surfer of the Year got it right more than the reader survey. The reader survey might have been better positioned as best surfers in the last five or ten years, whereas Stab Surfer of the Year is definitely rounding up who was the best surfer in the last 12 months. Yeah, and they are slightly different questions as well as being a different um, sample set in terms of who's answering them. Like Stab yeah. Surfer of the Year is very much who has done the best surfing in the last year, whereas we're asking the Stab Readership in the Reader Survey who their favourite surfer is and best surfing versus favourite surfer are... Huge. Uh, yeah, they're hugely different categories. What did you find disappointing about the reader surveys list of the best male surfers? Uh, you'll either agree or hate me for it, but the variety. Surveys without parameters or limits for me make it really hard to zone in on who the best is or who your favourite is. So what, are you saying the solution is to give them a, a shorter list and say pick the best surfers from this list? Yeah, but how would well, that, pick your favourite surfer from this list. How would but, that affect the results though? Well, you'd get more. So Torrin Martin, instead of getting 20 votes, might have got 500 votes. But wouldn't he still f fill the same spot in the list relative to other surfers? To a degree, but then all the other surfers under him, like the M-Rods or the other surfers, um, I don't need to be getting hate DMs, so I'm going to drop too many names. Um would be getting cut out. So it would create more volume because it comes back to that, oh, no, I really like Tyron. I saw him out at the pass and he didn't drop in on me. I'm going to give him a vote. Versus if he wasn't in the list, that vote could go somewhere else. You want to chop Tyron from the list? Is that what this is about? No, no, no. <laughs> nah, I mean, I take it there if you want. <laughs> I appreciate his surfing. I haven't seen him go left though. Oh. Apparently, there's, apparently there's a new clip coming out um, of him going up and down the coast of Europe, I think, and he got quite a number of good lefts. So I'm quite excited to watch that, especially the way that he uh, rides that, that twin fin. 
Yeah. And, and what about Italo's omission from the list? I found that particularly interesting because he is incredibly likable and I yeah. imagine he's someone who cuts through a lot of the friction between Brazilian surfers and other surf cultures. And I mean, some people describe that friction as racism, but it is something that's been really evident in the past. And I would think that he would cut through that, but yet he's still not on the list. What do you, how do you make? What? I found it super weird that he wasn't. I mean, I, I was assuming that he would have been top five or something. But the guy was so prolific last year with putting out just clip after clip. And it wasn't just shitty surfing. It was like grade A level bangers. So it was impressive, like nonstop all year. And he's fun. He's approachable. He's, you know, for me, one of the best surfers in the world right now, both from a personality point of view and talent point of view to then just miss out on the top 10 is kind of bizarre in some ways. And, you know, whether or not that's reflective of the readership of the survey, you know, majority of it was US-based, majority of it was male-based. I mean, you really want to crack an egg open here and make an omelette, you could. (laughs) Yeah. Personality is such an interesting thing to, to touch on. John John placed highly on both lists. How much do you think this is down to his character versus his ability on a surfboard and you know, and the fact that he's probably the most capable surfer in the world right now? Yeah, right, right on the tail of the Italo question, um, it's a hard one. If I just look at John singularly, for me it's a mix of both, probably with it more heavily leaning on his capability than his character. He's the best surfer in the world right now. It would be hard to argue that. And if you mix in last year being basically a white where we either saw a lot of a surfer, like Idolo, or we didn't see much of anyone and there was a whole bunch of people that went quiet. So when we did see something from the best surfer in the world, you can be sure the entire surf world gobbled it up. Add in stories around the sponsors' options, his new brand, Florence, and coming back from an injury. And John was still top of mind for everyone wanting to watch surfing so that when he did drop something, it was like, I'm all about this. Yeah. His, with his character, it isn't what attracts me to him or us to him, I think, anyway. It's how he keeps to himself and isn't all up on social uh, that makes him more attractive, one of the few that doesn't let us have it all all the time so that when we get some, we want more. But the main reason for John showing up high on both lists is he's the best surfer in the world right now, bottom line. That's it. Readers and pros aren't wrong. Yeah. That's uh, something not a lot of people would argue with. And mm. Dane was missing from Stab Surfer of the Year. Do you, yet he was, he, mean, he won the reader survey. Do you think this is simply yeah. because he hasn't put out enough surfing or, or has the next generation actually caught up to him? Maybe a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, It might be that he hasn't put out enough surfing to remain front of mind for the people who are professional surfers or have that wildly high IQ of surfing. It's, It's a baffling one. Like him not being in surfer of the year to me is just as confusing as Idolo not being in the top 10 for the reader survey. And so Dane topped out... The, I mean, we mentioned it, but despite having yeah. surfed a lot and, and, and putting out a lot of clips, Dane still topped out the list. If Dane decided to never put out another clip of himself surfing, how long do you think it would take for him to fade out of the top 10 of the reader survey? 
don't really know because there's been too many surprises in there as it is. Um, logically speaking, probably another two or three years. We're trained these days to always be chasing the next shiny toy. Uh, the surf industry has shown that in uh, a lot over history. I mean, the way that they pay for promise versus achievements, you know. Um, they're always looking for that next kid that's coming up that's going to be the next Slater or the next whoever. Um, granted, it'll be a while until Dane fades completely from view, but from the top ten with no clips, two to three years, I think, maybe a generous thought, maybe a prick of a one. Um, I think we can all agree on one thing here and that's we, we care more about this question than Dane probably does. <laughs> I, ideally, or I mean, personally for me, two clips a year from Dane in the five to seven-minute range would satisfy me. I, I still love watching him surf but I'm also from that generation that came up watching him destroy waves and bring a point of difference to the surfing world, which I'm sure there are other surfers today doing that for the younger generation. I just hope it's surfers who don't stutter on their bottom turns before unleashing. Kind of kills yeah. me that. Like the art of uh, a very old man yelling at cloud statement, um, <laughs> the inability to hold rail in some of the kids these days kills me. Yeah, and that, that was really Dane's point of difference. Even even with these airs, they felt powerful versus flicking. Yeah, totally. And another really interesting thing you touched on in the article is you brought up the fact that Dane and Kelly were both high on the list, yet the companies they're representing, uh, even though they're their own companies, they're still there effectively acting as their major sponsor, were not very high on another category in the survey, which is the our readers' favourite brands. So you posed the question, what does sponsorship actually equate to in, in regards to return on interest? And uh, I guess what sort of conclusions did you come, come up with around that? In a short sentence, it's that 99% of sponsorship doesn't result in any return on investment. But, I mean, I could say the best product wins. I could say marketing is dead could say that you sell average product, shift it to target. You want to sell brands, double down on creative and content. There are a whole bunch of different uh, roads you could walk down with that. Um, with those three brands in particular, I think Slater got it mixed up at the start and was trying to be the next James Pierce brand versus the next great surf brand. And now as an actual brand focused on surfing, they're challenged on pricing, which is great because the surf industry's gotten to the bottom and they do sustainability really well and they create noise in that space for us all to listen. But it's just a challenge as it's a little bit out of the price range for most surfers, I think. Um, former, which seems like it had some teething issues with the initial crew, they seem to have sorted themselves out now with the appointment of Eddie Miyoshi. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that wrong. And they've also got a new global production partner, which seems to be uh, fixing a lot of production and, and calendar issues for them. So I feel like former will probably start to come back on strong. Um, Florence and the machine, I haven't had a bite of the cherry yet, so we're not aware of the impact that John would or could have. Uh, I will say that they've raised $12 million and this is before launch, so it generally means that they're not fucking around. Plus, they just got Pat back and I'm not sure. I'm sure it's not long until Gilly rejoins the family and they'll be on their way from a marketing point of view that um, can really start to measure what the return on their investment is. To... To bring it back to that question, though, does sponsorship result in a return on investment? Some of the time, but definitely not all of the time. You can look at a signature product from Andy or Mick, for instance, and you can say that those guys definitely gave a return to those sponsors. You look at the Rising Sun board short, the Reef Fanning Thong, but does the average QS warrior provide? 
I think what they they do provide a return, but it's not in the form of dollars. It's more in the form of today anyway of content and association. It's then up to the brand to flip that content in and association into something that's more tangible that results in dollars coming back in. So it's not unfortunately a simple answer to the question of what does sponsorship actually equate to in regards to ROI. Yeah. It's it's a super complex algorithm, but I think one thing mm. that's unique about this example with uh, Dane and Kelly is that they're not necessarily spending much money promoting the connection between themselves and the brand. Like for example, no. like it's different for every company, but take Nike for example, if they gave if they sponsored someone like Tiger Woods for a million dollars, they're going to spend 10 times that promoting the relationship. Uh, I was watching a Michael Jordan documentary about his footwear last night and part of that initial deal that Jordan signed was with the agreement that Nike was going to put a million dollars into marketing on the new shoe when it launched in 85. Yeah, right. So there was that commitment to market the product where, like you said, with former, they don't have the money to do it, out of known. I mean, how long did it take Slater till he put a sticker on his board even? Mm. And then uh, Florence and the Machine, it's, you know, they've at least got John on the team um, and rocking stickers. So it'll be interesting to see how they all come out because they're all brands that um, are coming into a market now that's so vastly different to one that five or ten years ago based around digital acquisition and retention is different. Yeah, for sure. Of, you know, you can't just get a double page spread and go, oh, killed the campaign. I got the back page ad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the old model that turned some of the surf companies that have been around for a while now into giant beasts was to pay for exposure in like those limited media channels that were available and then coordinate the product's accessibility to the consumer that, as it relates to distribution. It was a really simple thing and the new model since we've crossed over into the information age is is very, very different. You need to have a great product, yeah. a, a reason for it to exist and then you need to be communicating it in a story that, you know, is digestible and, and resonates with people and it's, you know, if any of those old companies were to start again, which is essentially what John John's doing, it, it would, you know, you need to take a completely different approach. But hey, are you, yeah. are you, are you intentionally pronouncing the name of John yeah. John's company wrong? because <laughs> yeah. it just slips it off the tongue I, I think a lot a, a lot of people um, do it intentionally because it, it is funny and but I oh, feel like a lot of people do it by mistake as well yeah I think a lot of people do just from looking at it and just rolling off without paying attention and Florence Marine X is a lot harder to say phonetically than it is I don't even know if that was the right word Florence and the machine fuck I just did it Florence Marine X is harder to get your head around than Florence and the Machine. And, I mean, for me, the name Florence would have been good enough or Marine X would have been good enough, but Florence, Mar I still can't fucking say it, Florence Marine X then also just gets shortened to MFX, which was freestyle motocross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the word is prosody. It's like melody is, is like musical um, rhythm and, and then prosody is melody of speech. And it's definitely got a... a you know, a prosody that's not exactly working for it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure it'll do well. Um, I feel like it's going to come out like a mix between Salty Crew, Patagonia, uh, a dash of uh, Levi's and a dash of Outer Note. 
Yeah. They're giving it the... Uh, you mentioned the amount of capital they've raised and that sounds like they're going to enter the market with enough force to really make a dent. They're not going for the slow, yeah. the slow build. So that is... And, you know, so they will actually, like we were talking about before, they won't just have a, a sticker on a surfboard and hope that... Yep. people notice they're gonna they're gonna put a sticker on a surfboard and then spend a lot of money trying to put it in people's faces and make a um, make it as relevant and, and understood as possible let's just hope it's not a depactus 2.0 <laughs> yeah you, can you they had they had a lot of money yeah well can you just give us a brief uh, can you unpack the depact tus uh, story uh, I that's another one for another pod. That's another one for that's another one for another pod. That's another one for another pod. Thank you, Lincoln Ether. As always, extremely analytical and hyper focused on details, like almost no one else is. He's a little bit of a um, anomaly when it comes to that kind of thing, and he's a bit of trivia actually. Lincoln lives with Mick Fanning, not in the same house, but on the same property and they're obviously really good friends. So, you know that saying that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with? Well, imagine if Mick Fanning was one of those five people and how much it would just, it would just bring your average up. I'm, I'm so sick of being brought down by my beautiful fiance and our mega cute little baby. My, my fiance is like really smart, but zero world titles and then our four-month-old is just frankly a straight-up imbecile. She, she can't talk. She can, she can barely do any tricks. And so, Lincoln, if you ever move out, tell Mick I'll leave my family in a second. Let him, uh, let him know. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to power up. Next up, we have some of the raw audio from the Stab Squared presented by Oakley Quiz Show. This has none of the sound design or editing that will be added to the final production, but let's see who won the first heat. It definitely was not Brent. He was hopeless. How's uh, quarantine going, Jordy? It's actually been pretty good. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's my wife and I's third set of it. So and this is the best, oh, yeah. best set that we've had. So, so I, I heard, Geordie, that you got stuck in London for months on end. Yeah. And so, and so you, what happened? You, your kid? We well, had a, a child there and then the, the Majesty's office lost all uh, the paperwork and like oh, wow. all the original birth certificates and they couldn't find it. Um, and we were heading into like the Christmas and New Year's period where obviously everything just goes on hold and shut. No one's working, and uh, then yeah, we basically for three months we just were stuck in the one bedroom little little room. Wow! And then you went to the pipe comp without basically without having surfed at all, and then got made it to the quarters. Yeah, we, 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 I was in London. We were in London for three months with obviously no surfing. I went for one one little day at the at the wave garden there um and then quickly bolted to do the pop event showed up did the event and then went back for another month wow yeah and That's then, super and wow. then you quarantined in california where you didn't surf either yeah pretty good <laughs> <so flat. laughs> oh my goodness 
went to Hawaii for a small little gathering of my boards and then got on a plane and flew here. So wow. The world quarantine tour. I love it. Yeah. All right. So let's get quizzing. Yeah, Danny, wait, why are you wearing a suit? Because <laughs> I'm the host. I'm this is professional quiz shit, Jordy. Okay. But you have bad enough. I'm not bagging on you. I look like fucking Tom Hanson castaway right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off, guys. So welcome to Stab Squared, presented by Oakley, a quiz show where we test the cognitive horsepower of professional surfers and members of the Stab Premium audience. So this is the first heat of three heats, and the winners of all three heats will meet in the final where we will crown our first ever Stab Squared presented by Oakley Champion. <clears throat> Question one, who is the youngest surfer to ever qualify for the world tour? Jordy. Um, Caroline Marks. That is correct. You are on oh, wow. one point, wow. Jordy. Where did you pull that from? Caroline actually qualified when she was uh, when she was fifteen, believe it or not. So she was the uh, she was the first by a long way. I'm just just realised I don't have any way to. I keep know score, that so. you guys are probably going to go Taj Barrel, aren't you? Yeah, I was going to go Taj Barrel or Kalani Rob. Okay. How so long was the point for Kalohe? Just because. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordy is off to the. Early lead. Question two, which World Tour surfer's dad is famous for surfing in hot pants? What's hot pants? No clue. Johnny. Leap to leader. That is correct. Johnny is on two points, running away with it at this point. What's hot points? How hot pants? I'm going to show you right now. Vito's? Yeah. Oh, that's like slang. Oh, oh wow. God. I mean, those, those, that's called a sunga. Oh, really? You know the the, the Portuguese? It looks uh, like he's it looks like he's riding Philippe's magic board. He won snapper on or something. <laughs> but how good are these hot pants? And that, I think that's a pretty old photo. But check this out. He's still doing it to this day. Still ripping. Yeah. Look at that hack. That's mean. <laughs> yeah, he rips. What about the function functionality of these pants, though? Like, it's got to be pretty comfortable, good tanning, few advantages. Would you guys ever give it a run? No. I would. Hard no. <laughs> Do it, brother. First heat. That's a hard no. All around. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. The loser of this quiz actually has to surf the rest of the, the two a year in hot pants. Imagine that. Perfect. <laughs> It's a powerful look. And the next question is, so, I mean, just a score recap, I guess, at this point. Geordie's on two. Brent and Kolohe are heavily lagging on zero. <laughs> and uh, how are you enjoying the quiz so far, Brent? Uh, I think I'm winning, right? No, you're not. But uh, you look like you're having a good time. And Yeah, right? And... Um, I mean, that's what we like to do here at Stab is make dreams come true. So it's, uh, it's really nice to see. In question, sorry, question number three. In 2010, Jadson Andre was surfing the third event of the year, the Santa Catarina Prime Brazil, in what was his first year on the championship tour, and he won it. 
So for one point, who did Jads and Andre defeat in the final? That was Jordy again. Jordy answered Kelly Slater at this point, but the audio seems to have glitched here. So on with the quiz. Yes. Oh my wow. goodness. That was that was incredible. So three questions in, and you guys are. I was actually going to say Dane Reynolds. So. Mm, well. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are heavily comboed right now, Brent and Chloe. Like. How many questions uh, is it? Well, there's one more question. Oh really? Yeah. So at this at this stage, it's um, unless you get an inter- interference or something, it's it's going to be tricky. I've had an interference after the heat. Oh, you have? What happened? I could ask us. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What was that? Uh, he took off within the heat, and then I took off after the heat. But I had priority in the heat. But because it was after the heat, I got an interference. Lost the heat. Where, where was that? In France uh, oh. two years ago. Yeah. Hmm. And what? How did you respond? Because I know that you, in your early days on on tour, you like there was a couple of moments of you snapping, like one where you punched the nose off your board, which I actually find pretty impressive <laughs> from a karate point of view. How did you, How did you respond? Was it Was it was uh, anger? I just weeped. <laughs> just well, weeping. you might be weeping again. It might be time to uh, whip out some Oakley shades. Little sponsor plug there for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to hide those tears, because we're down to the last question. And this question, number four, is what is the nickname that former World Tour coach Jake the Snake Patterson gave to Griffin Colapinto? Oh, Kolohe. Sponge. That is correct. And I did so good. <laughs> yeah, so that was our uh, that was our final question, and which leaves our scores at three one. Brent is just embarrassingly sitting on zero. Didn't even have an attempt. Minus one would have been uh, <laughs> probably more, more respectable. So congratulations to Geordie Smith. You've just earned yourself a place in the final of the first ever Stab Squared presented by Oakley. Um, to Brent and Kolohe, thank you so much for competing. Jordy, don't go anywhere. Hang around. You will be in the final. And we've got some exciting heats to come. Woo! 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 That was a chunk from the first episode of Stab Squared presented by Oakley. If you are interested in checking out the other heats to see who made it to the final and eventually go on to become the ultimate champion, then like always, head over to stabmag.com. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends and I will see you in hell or next week on this very same podcast channel. he was more aware than he realized you know one time he he won the contest in japan and we were playing cards that night me him and taj and we were with kleine and schmoo kalani rob and bosco 
just us all in this room playing cards. He'd had a few drinks and we're we're gambling and stuff and then and he goes, he's like, that's the fuck, that's what I fucking hate. You're always so aware of shit. To me, I think of that and I'm like, he's aware of the things I'm aware of. He's way more aware than he realizes. He was completely aware of like all the things I was thinking, which yeah. was funny. He was so it, through that competitive thing, it made him tack sharpen it on a level he didn't realize. It was subconscious.